0: The Fed is on hold, so what's changed and what about the all-important press conference? German inflation at its lowest level since mid-2021. Also a weak economy, so lots of reasons for the ECB to start moving. Or do they have reason to be cautious? Christine Lagarde is talking later on, so we'll find out more about that. And Aussie inflation pretty much as expected, so no rush for the RBA. And the Bank of England, later tonight, they'll be on hold, but will they be united this time? It's Thursday, the 1st of February, 2024. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. So, the US dollar was down 0.2% before the Fed, but it's up a quarter percent now, so quite a turnaround. Against that, a 0.4% fall for the euro. The Aussie is down 0.7% to 65.6 US cents. And ahead of the Fed, we saw 10-year Treasury yields falling down seven basis points to 3.96%. Then they climbed back up to 4% during the press conference. Now they're back down again to 3.97%. A big fall in German yields, uh, 10-year Buns losing 10 basis points, 10-year Gilts down Eleven Aussie 10 years down 13 yesterday to 4.01%, pretty much around 4% now. The Nasdaq has taken a hit as markets respond to yesterday's earnings results. A 2.2% fall in the Nasdaq, 1.6% lower for the S&P and 0.9% lower for the Dow. Shares moved lower than they were. They are already down quite a bit, but lower since the Fed announcement. Microsoft shares are down 2.7% today. If that sounds like a lot, Alphabet losing 6.5%. Still higher than they started the year though, so maybe not quite as bad as it seems. Uh, and there's been some concern about the regional banks in the US again as well. Shares in the New York Community Bank fell 46% after posting a loss last quarter. Uh, that is making a lot of people nervous this morning. And in Europe, the Euro stocks 50 is down 0.3%. The FTSE 100 has lost half a percent. And oil back down today 2.6% off WTI, 1.4% off Brent, which is well below 82 a barrel now. So Sally Old is with us from JB Weir. She's with me this morning. So let's get started on the Fed. Uh, Rates on hold. What has changed? What's new in the statement that they issued this morning?
1: So going into this statement or going into this meeting, um, you know, I think the the sort of consensus expectation would be that they would drop this statement that, you know, they're prepared to tighten more if they have to. Um, And that was seen as basically taking out the tightening bias and moving towards something that looks more neutral. Um, And as we have a quick read of the statement now, that's exactly what they've done. So Mm. there is no longer a statement in there saying that they're prepared to raise rates if they have to. Um, And they have a line in there basically saying, they're going to keep the target rate where it is today, and that was a unanimous decision. And they say in considering any adjustments to the target rate for the federal funds rate going forward, they're going to carefully assess the data. So they're basically saying, you no, know, we can still move in either direction. It's any adjustments. It could be up or it could be down. Um, but they also say in there that they don't expect it will be appropriate to reduce the target range until the Fed has greater confidence that inflation is moving sustainably towards 2%. So what they're telling us is...
0: We're not hurrying, is what they're saying. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we don't have that confidence just now, so... We need more data to, to yeah. see.
0: Well, more good data, actually, is what he said, because at the press conference, he said they've got confidence, but they want greater confidence, more good data. They're happy with the six-month path in inflation, but they want the data to support. And they're not necessarily concerned now about softening uh, in consumption or in jobs. They're sort of accepting the fact that they might be heading towards a soft landing without actually accepting that it is a soft landing right now. But, yeah, they want more data, the usual stuff.
1: Yeah, that's right. I thought it was- Interesting. He started the press conference by basically saying inflation is still too high. Um, Progress of further disinflation is not necessarily assured, and the outlook is uncertain. So he was really clear about saying, you know, things have worked well, but there's still uncertainty. And I think, you know, we come back to this, you know, to me when I was sort of listened to what he was saying at the press conference. I think there's a sense that, you know, we're on track, but we don't have a whole lot of confidence in the in the forecasts. And so for him he's saying we've got confidence that we're we're sort of close to two percent, but we're not we need greater confidence. And I think what he's basically saying is, you know, we're just worried about the risk that, you know, inflation has come down, but it gets stuck and it doesn't keep on keep on going. And so we
0: need more data. Well we are in uncharted territory, aren't we? Because of the pandemic. He said a lot of this Mm. is a quote, a lot Mm. of the economic growth we're seeing is due to post pandemic healing. When that peters out our restrictive rate will show up more sharply, he said.
1: That's right, Yep. Yeah. So he's basically saying, you know, the economy's obviously going well and there's a demand aspect to that, but there's also a supply-side story that's helped growth. And as as you just pointed out, once that supply-side story has run its course, then I think the implication is, you know, you're going to see an economy that actually probably looks a bit softer and more reflective of Restrictive monetary policy, and he was really clear about saying, you know, with the funds rate where it is at the moment, plus the fact that we're still continuing to shrink the balance sheet, um, you know, policy is genuinely restrictive. Um, And so, you know, you get the sense that not only are they waiting for, you know, more confirmation that inflation is on track to be sustainably at 2%, but also just a sense of, you know, some timing around when some of these supply side influences wane in their impact and, and getting a, a real sense of what that funds rate means for the growth mm. backdrop.
0: So what is going to make them cut sooner? I mean, someone asked that question because, you know, obviously there's they all, all of it was, well, we're just going to look at the data and we're going to wait and see. But he did say, look, if we saw an unexpected uh, cut in the labour market, uh, th- that might weigh on us making a decision to cut sooner. That was an example.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I think they, they get a couple more inflation numbers before the FOMC meeting in March. Um, and obviously the labour market number is going to be pretty key. So it is possible. I mean, the door is a little bit ajar to, to a March rate cut. But, you know, also at the press conference, he did, pretty explicitly say, we don't think it's likely we're going to be ready to, to cut in March. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that does put the, the focus on May or possibly June. Um, but it sounds like they're going to be patient. And, you know, he, he was really clear in saying, you know, it's all about risk management. We're trying to manage two risks. One is that we cut too early and, and get ahead of ourselves and inflation doesn't end up where we want it to be on a sustainable basis. Or we leave it too late to cut, and the economy has actually slowed much more than we thought. And we're possibly looking at inflation undershooting on the downside. And so they're trying to manage those. Those two risks. Um, But I think in in doing that, they're prepared to be patient.
0: Well, it sounds like they don't have too much to worry about with the jobs market. I mean, you might have thought perhaps they would after the jolts numbers earlier this week. But the data we've got uh, overnight, wages are slowing, aren't they? So 0.9% Q&Q for Q4, which was a bit less than expected and down from 1.1% the previous quarter. But I mean, it's slow going, isn't it? So the twelve-month number, the annual number, has gone from five point one percent down to four point two percent in a year. So it's taking a while to come mm, down. That's
1: right. And look, wages are one of those indicators that that do move slowly. So, um, but I, I still think you know, for for the Fed officials and and for those out there forecasting a, a cut in March, um, you know, the, this, this number is is probably reasonably supportive. So you know, you could take that quarterly number, which was the lowest one since late twenty twenty one, and say, look. It's annualising, you know, somewhere between 35 and 4%, which is broadly where, you know, I think the Fed would want to see uh, wages growth in order to be consistent that it's uh, comfortable that it's consistent with that 2% inflation target. So, um, you know, definitely progress there.
0: Still very high, isn't it, compared to where we were before the pandemic? I mean, just before the pandemic, it was uh, down at 3.8%. Actually, that was the highest level since 2008. So this is unusually high now.
1: No, totally. It's very high relative to to where we were in a pre-pandemic. Um, but you know, I think you know what really matters is have you got wages growth that's consistent with where you want inflation to average over the long run. Um, and in the low fours, the answer to that is probably not. And I think the Fed would be more comfortable if that number had a, a three in front of it. So, you know, we are making progress there. But then I think also. You know, other measures of the labour market, and we'll obviously get an update on, on the labour market on Friday night, our time, you know, they're still telling you that the labour market seems reasonably tight. So I think definitely encouraging, but, you know, you'd still be wanting to see a bit more before, I think,
0: declaring victory on wages. So what do we do about that ADP employment report? Do we just ignore it? Mm. I mean, it, it said... I mean, This
1: record of yeah, yeah predicting payrolls isn't great. It's been good in the last couple of months, but, you know, if you go back... longer history, you know, there's a pretty big,
0: um, Well, this one is showing just Mm -hmm. 107,000. I think the expectation is about 180,000, isn't it? From non-farm payrolls on, on Friday. So,
1: yeah, so ADP measures private payrolls. And so if we look at what economists have penciled in for this Friday, I think that number for private payrolls is about 165. And for total payrolls, it's 185. So, yeah, it's lower than, than the consensus for Friday night. But, you know, I, I don't think too many forecasters worry too much about the ADP in the sense that it's a record of forecasting payrolls month right. to month. All right. Quite
0: a fall in mortgage applications in the US as well, down 7.2% last week. But that was just, a, you know, a weekly number. And, uh, you know, the, the mm. 30-year mortgage rate is back up to 6.78%. So that might explain part of it. But anyway, meanwhile, uh, no big surprises in China's PMIs either. Perhaps we'll just skip over those. 492 for manufacturing, fifty. For non manufacturing yesterday. Uh, Australia's mm-hmm. inflation, pretty much as expected, wasn't it? The, the core trim measure, 4.2% year on year, just as NAB predict, predicted, a, a bit below the consensus and below the RBA's forecast, mm. which uh, in the monetary policy statement was uh, 4.5%.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, you know, that, that's a reasonably stale forecast. They would have had a, I guess, what you would call a, an updated now, now cast, having used some of those monthly numbers. But, Yes, relative to where they thought they would be in November, this is definitely a better outcome. And you know, remember with the RBA, it's been this sort of situation where they've had no tolerance for upside surprises, you know, because they've got this very drawn out return of inflation to targets taking longer than it is in some other countries. Um, you know, on their last set of forecasts, they're only just back in the target band by the end of 2025. So this number, it's a better starting point for the new set of forecasts that we'll get next Tuesday. Um, and it gives them just a touch more breathing space on the inflation front, and I think if you recall back to no- November and we look at the assumptions that went into crafting those forecasts, remember that there were basically a, a sort of another fifteen basis points of hikes that were assumed um, on the cash rate to get the sort of forecast that they had and I think what this number does is sort of say, look, you know basically takes out the case for any near term rate hike um, from the RBA. And the question really now turns to you know how quickly can these can these guys cut? Um, and I think what you're seeing in these inflation numbers is a couple of quite distinct dynamics. You've got falling good, goods prices, which you know really has been a global story, and we saw that goods deflation in in many other countries in the fourth quarter, and we've seen it in our numbers as well for the fourth quarter. Um, and government subsidies really helping just to contain inflation. So, for example, if we look at rents. Um, If we took away those government subsidies just for rents, that would have added back one-tenth of a percent to both uh, inflation headline and core. So looking forward, you know, I think there's a sense that these subsidies will eventually roll off. They're not there uh, forever. Um, And there is a little bit of concern out there that, you know, we've seen great goods deflation. That's been helped by probably weaker demand for goods. It's been helped by... Um, you know, lower traded prices, particularly coming from China, um, and lower freight costs, and of course, some of that might now be starting to reverse a little bit. So, right.
0: And and then add that, you know, the, the those rent subsidies, as you say, coming off, which could see inflation kick back up a little bit as well. But also, I mean, uh, are those rents elevated because people who are renting out those houses have got a higher interest rate as well? So it's a bit of a potentially. circular thing. So there is
1: a bit of a dynamic there. So, you know, I think all of this, and plus the fact that, You know, services inflation has been sticky. It's been too high in Australia. It's come lower in in the last quarter, but it's still too high. And, you know, we go back to this same old story that, you know, if you're the RBA, how can you really have confidence it's going to come down to sort of appropriate levels unless you see a bit more weakness in the labour market or have greater confidence that the productivity story is is changing meaningfully and I just don't think we're there yeah. on, on that yet. Well is this so, oversimplifying yeah, uh, is
0: this oversimplifying mm-hmm. it? We've got a headline rate of inflation of four point one percent, the UK's at four, the US is I think three point four. The EU's three point mm-hmm. four. The ones start with four, we're sort of assuming they're holding. The ones with the three, we're thinking are gonna start cutting. Is that oversimplifying it a bit? No
1: I think that's you know that's that's a fair way to, to sort of start the analysis. Um, but I just think here in Australia, you know, there's probably still enough discomfort within the RBA that we're not quite there on the services inflation story to keep them watchful and and probably, you know, for them to be one of the, the central banks that doesn't execute a meaningfully dovish pivot um, you know, to start 2024.
0: Well, look, I mean, Europe obviously has an economic slowdown as well to contend with. So German inflation yesterday, the headline rate fell year on year from 3.7% down to 2.9% in January. You'd say that's good. The harmonised inflation rate uh, for the month saw prices actually fall 0.2%. Real deflation uh, and retail sales in December for the month down 1.6%. So a downturn happening as well. So you look at that and you think, well, how long can the ECB Sit and watch that happen. Uh, inflation seems, seems to be beaten. The economy is hurting. You would have thought, get on with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, it, Germany is interesting in the sense that, you know, yes, we've got those softer inflation numbers um, and, you know, we've had GDP numbers that basically tell us that the German economy, you know, effectively stagnated in the back half of last year. The retail numbers were weak, as you said, for um, December, but it's a bit like Australia. You know, they are also struggling with sort of new seasonal patterns in consumption. And so I think some people are saying, look, let's just hold off on reading too much into that until we see what happens in January. And the other data we got last night in Germany was the labour market numbers for January. And they're actually pretty good. So quite remarkable, given that we know the economy pretty much didn't grow for the last six months. Um, And I guess this is this sort of combination of you know, mixed messages that the ECB is dealing with where you've had this sort of persistent softness in growth, you've had stronger wages growth than is probably consistent with their inflation ambitions um, and sort of mixed reports on activity data where labour market has been good, retail has been weak, PMIs have generally been pretty soft but have just started to pick up a little bit in the last month or two. So I guess from their perspective, you know, this for them is is probably the first time they've been really challenged on the inflation target since the ECB came into being as an institution. And so, you know, I think everything we've heard from them in the last week suggests, you know, until they get some broader comfort on that wage number – wage metrics, they're going to hold off from, you
0: know, cutting rates. Well, we'll see when we, Christine Lagarde is talking tomorrow. And of course, she has uh, been saying no cuts till the middle of the year. So, but we have been hearing other people in the ECB saying, well, you know, maybe a bit sooner than that. So it'll be interesting to see whether she has changed their tune. Uh, it's perhaps a little more nuanced for the Bank of England, isn't it? They meet later, 11 p.m. Australian Eastern Time. Five and a quarter percent currently. Last time they held, but three out of nine voted for a hike. That's quite a few. So uh, if they all agree to a hold this time, I mean that is a signal in itself, isn't it? If they all agree that they want to keep things where Absolutely.
1: they are. Absolutely. So yes, as you said, there were three who were definitely keen to to hike um, at the end of last year, and the issue really in the UK has been just the inflation. Story um, and those numbers have come in quite a bit better than the the Bank of England expected. So um, you know that that will give them, I think, confidence that they're on the right track. Um, but interestingly, in the UK, you know, the data of late that we've had so far this year sort of tell us that the economy is looking maybe a touch better than it was um, in the last six months of 2023. So the growth dynamics look a bit more favourable, but also sort of the inflation dynamics. Um, and so that probably tells you. You know, especially because inflation still is, you know, very high relative to the Bank of England's target. That, you know, yes, this sort of desire to to necessarily want to hike rates might have dissipated over the over the UK winter or the Australian summer. But again, maybe a bit similar to the RBA, not quite ready to fully embrace a dovish outlook.
0: Well we get uh, building approvals for Australia today we get the US weekly jobless claims and the uh, in the US the ISM manufacturing survey so prices orders employment that's all going to be interesting stuff isn't it? Yeah
1: absolutely so you know these are US manufacturing has been you know weak basically all the regional surveys we've had so far this month have been pretty soft and so you know the ISM is the I guess the sort of Bill, where the cyclical indicator for that sector in the U.S. will always be pretty closely watched, so that'll be pretty important. But um, Bank of England, I think, will
0: be pretty significant, especially ahead of the RBA next week too. All right. Well, thanks so much, Sally. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. And that is it. The morning call for this morning FOMC morning. We'll be telling you about the Bank of England tomorrow morning, no doubt. Join me for that for the last one of the week, uh, and of course, the weekend edition. We're talking Australian house prices. Can't miss that. Uh, that's all tomorrow from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. See you tomorrow.